Longtime listeners, you know the drill. This episode is part of a much longer series. To be sure you get the whole story, we recommend that you jump back and start from episode one. Also, we want to invite any of our thousands of listeners who still use Facebook to join our friendly show group, which currently only has a couple of hundred fun-loving members. Just search for the show's name. Now would normally be the time when I would do our Patreon patron shout-out. But this episode is a little short, due to various and sundry complications and our eagerness to get Ms. Unicorn back in the saddle. Still, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm giving them short shrift by associating their call-out with a less-than-full-length episode. So instead of doing that, I'm going to let everyone know that we're nearly finished with this series, and what to expect once it's done. After the last QAnon episode airs, that's in a month or a month and a half, I'll release the complete series in big, long, multi-hour chunks, all 30-something episodes jammed together into a really seamless experience if you play them one after the other. Those will come out one per day until they're all available. At that point, I'm going to do about a two-month research period for our next big series. During those weeks, I'll play segments from one of our old-school, long-form episodes in the archive to tide you over and make sure you have something in your feed. Then, we're going to do a special, super fun, one-off, quick-hit episode before we launch into our next big topic, a series about UFOs. But it's not just about UFOs, it's about the concept of the alien, the idea of humans encountering that which they don't understand, how stories like that inform our world, and how people have imagined them since we started painting on cave walls, and a lot more. Anyway, I'm calling the whole thing Unidentified. I'm incredibly excited about what we have in store, and I'm very happy that you've come with me on this long journey through the antecedents and impacts of QAnon. I hope you'll end up feeling like we stuck the landing. If you'd like your name or your pseudonym to join the Roll of Honor at the top of a future show, just sign up at patreon.com forward slash the paranoid strain at the $5 tier. We thank you kindly, both for listening and for supporting. Finally, whether you do social media or not, please do drop us a line. Tell us what you think of the show. We're open to suggestions, criticisms, and recipes. Send them all to theparanoidstrain, that's all one word, at gmail.com. Okay, let's get going. Paranoid Strain Orchestra, hit it. In other words, we have finally reached the home stretch of the Q series. Correct. Now, let's take a brief moment, while we're getting our bearings, to touch on one of the most popular Q-related real-world crimes of the past few years. The decades-long sex trafficking and child exploitation ring centered around Jeffrey Epstein. We don't believe any of you need much of a refresher on this topic, But Epstein, of course, is the financier and friend of the powerful, including both Bill Clinton and Donald Trump. 
who had managed for decades to avoid facing serious charges relating to his extensive, ongoing habit of soliciting girls as young as 14 in both Florida and the U.S. Virgin Islands for whatever sex act suited his repulsive fancy. He was brought up on charges and received a slap-on-the-wrist pseudo-punishment for these crimes in the 2000s. The leniency of that punishment was no doubt thanks to Epstein's wealth and influential friendships and, perhaps, because some involved in the prosecution might have worried about his potential to reveal some very unflattering secrets about those influential, powerful friends. Finally, more than a decade later, he was on the verge of facing real prosecution for his many, many obvious misdeeds when he was found hanging by his neck in the Manhattan jail cell where he was being held until trial. Yes, the apparent fact that Epstein had managed to kill himself despite having previously attempted suicide by similar means, supposedly being on suicide watch and therefore regularly checked on by guards, and given that the cameras outside his cell during his first suicide attempts a few weeks before his death apparently had their footage accidentally erased when being handled by the FBI, and that everyone, as Elena just noted, assumed he had plenty of dirt on the wide range of influential and famous politicians, celebrities, and even royals like the disgraced Prince Andrew, that he could trade away for a lenient sentence. All of this made many, even your level-headed and conspiracy-averse host, suspect that something might not have been on the up-and-up about this particular piece of shit taking the easy way out in his cell. Which is why, back in our original coverage of this incident, we said we would be eagerly awaiting the investigations that would no doubt follow this very suspicious story. In the intervening years, those investigations have largely concluded, and some other stuff has happened that bears on the conspiracy theory angle, so let's take a quick look at what we didn't know then. First, it seems clear that Epstein, whether he killed himself or not, was unquestionably suicidally depressed. No one outside of the QAnon true believers and maybe Tucker Carlson, wants to argue that the first suicide attempt was some sort of botched initial effort to silence Epstein, a version of events that would require the victim himself to have stayed mum about his own violent attempted murder until the same malevolent forces fixed their mistake two weeks later. If we can all agree that he tried to kill himself at least once, and again, there's no reason not to believe that, then we could acknowledge that this scumbag had, in his very recent past, concluded that his remaining life wasn't much worth living a conclusion that we would have trouble finding fault with. Well, Elena, we said it's an interesting conspiracy theory. Not that the death of Epstein was a great loss. Or a loss of any kind. Fuck that guy. Glad he's dead. On to the second point. The investigations turned up plenty of very run-of-the-mill dereliction of duty on the part of the guards who were tasked with keeping Epstein's body and soul together, including dorking around on the internet instead of making their scheduled every-half-hour checks on Epstein and the others under their charge and failing to notice little tells, like Epstein's leaving a scheduled meeting with his lawyers to call his mother, who had been dead for more than a decade in 2019. And that shitty work ethic, combined with other contributing factors like staffing shortages at the Bureau of Prisons, made this sort of scenario not just possible, but possibly inevitable. There are other interesting details the AP reported on a few months ago, including that in the aftermath of the incident, the Bureau of Prisons was more concerned with PR spin that would keep them from looking too bad than they were with even informing the prosecutors of what had happened. That report also conveys the weird, gross, deeply sad fact 
that Epstein had apparently reached out to his fellow sexual abuse monster and prisoner, Larry Nassar, the guy who molested hundreds of young, trusting athletes in his role as team doctor for U.S. women's gymnastics. And even that gymnast-groping piece of shit wasn't willing to talk to Epstein, returning the handwritten letter unopened. Talking about this story makes our collective skin crawl. The point is, as is so often the case, the evidence doesn't seem to lean toward a deliberate conspiracy, but rather toward the all-too-common cause of so many fuck-ups. Human laziness plus incompetence. Okay, I hear some of you out there giving me side-eye. You think I'm not assigning this totally plausible silence-the-well-connected-perv-before-he-cuts-a-deal theory its due. And I'll grant you that I tend to doubt grand conspiracies, perhaps to a fault. But there's one more trump card I have in my hand, one that it seems to me tilts the odds pretty hard in favor of Epstein's suicide being of the unassisted variety. And so I draw the Queen of Black Hearts from my conspiracy debunking deck. Wow, your metaphors are actually getting worse? Namely, one Ghislaine Maxwell. Do all of you remember what the conspiracy theorist said when Ms. Maxwell, Epstein's former girlfriend, longtime companion, and apparent girl procurer, was finally arrested and brought up on charges? If I recall correctly, they pretty universally asserted that she would meet a similar fate before she could ever be brought to trial. Right. And if the conspiracy to assassinate Epstein was real, that would be the only outcome that could possibly make any sense. After all, if this mysterious cabal, whose members remain unidentified... Though you can be pretty certain that Hillary Clinton factored into every one of these imagined schemes, can't you? If Hillary and company had felt the need to shut Epstein up before he spilled the beans, then obviously they would have to do the same to his lady aide-de-camp, right? I mean, as was amply demonstrated at her trial, Maxwell was mingling with the rich and powerful, both at Epstein's side and on her own as a prominent socialite. And as the nauseating testimony of victims proved, she routinely prepared mid-teens girls for their roles as sexual servants to Epstein and his powerful friends, up to and including molesting them herself. And yet, there she is, in the jail cell, where she'll probably spend the next 20 years, still breathing and without having traded her supposed secret knowledge for any kind of sentence reduction. Almost as if she didn't have the secrets and evidence she would need in order to get a lighter sentence. Meaning perhaps Epstein, too, didn't have the dirt. Or at least the receipts. To trade for his freedom. And therefore, he came to believe his only way out was taking advantage of the shitty work ethic and shorthandedness of his jailers to exit on his own terms before the wheels of justice ground him to a pulp. I admit, there's still a shadow of doubt lingering over the Epstein story, and it's conceivable that something else we don't know about happened. After all, we're not talking a flat-earth level of impossibility here. Still, I currently don't see a good reason to believe that the presumed conspiracy actually happened. On the other hand, I'm often wrong, so we'll see if anything else shakes out over the coming years. Now that we've dealt with pretty much the only story that actually makes the QAnon worldview sound vaguely plausible, let's get back to seeing how Q beliefs are continuing to fuck things up from sea to shining sea. Wait, what is that fast-moving orange blur I see in the distance, kicking up a cloud of dust? What are you talking about? Oh, actually, yeah, I do see that. What is it? Why, it's... it's... Sound of four Could have had 
Jesuit, was this really necessary? What? Sending an Uber driver in the orange car from the Dukes of Hazzard television show to pick me up from the airport? Oh, you mean the General Lee. Well, it seemed appropriate given my mid-season replacement analogy when Ms. Pegasus stepped in a few segments ago. See, back in the fifth season, actors Tom Wopat and John Schneider got into a pay dispute, and the producers- I'm going to cut him off there, Cousin Dana. It's boring, and you don't care. But I do appreciate that he covered the Confederate battle flag on the top of this thing with- I'm gonna guess that's the Danish flag? That's it exactly. That flag is also known as the Dannebrog, which I'll have Jesuit know is the oldest national flag in the world and which legend says descended from heaven during a battle with the Estonians as a sign from God. Ha. Take that, Bitsy Ross. And Delena, thanks for cutting him short. He can drone on and 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 on when he thinks he's being clever, can't he? I would say you have no idea, but obviously that's not true. Thanks for covering for me during my vacation from Jesuit minding duty. Did he behave? Hey, I don't like the tone of this conversation. Oh, you know how he is. He thinks he's getting one over on you, but really he's pretty easy to keep in line. I have never been so insulted in- He didn't make you do any accents, did he? Oh, yes. Oh, Jesuit. Which accent? (sighs) Australian. But at least it wasn't Scottish. It could have been worse, and my revenge will be sweet and maple-flavored. Well, as always, it's lovely to see you. If you can slide in through the windows of this inexplicably welded-shut doors of this ancient monstrosity, I'll make sure he pays for your return trip. Can do. Thanks so much for standing in, Cousin Elena. No problem. It was a hoot and a holler. And Jesuit? Yes, ma'am. Don't make Cousin Dana mad, or you're going to have two of us to deal with. Message received. And from the bottom of my heart, thanks so much to Elena Pegasus for her clutch sidekick work. I am almost certain I will impinge upon her for something similar in the future, if she's still taking my calls. Bye-bye, (laughs) y'all. Was the Dixie horn melody necessary? I know. I know. But it's a well-known signature of that particular fictional vehicle, and I- Never mind. Please skip it. Let's just get down to business. What did I miss? A bunch missed month-long vacation, but we were starting to talk about the latest and greatest stupidity that QAnon beliefs had led its stalwarts to inflict on normal people. And I can't think of a better location to start with than the QAnon obsession with an unassuming Texas butterfly refuge. Butterflies? I I was away just long enough to forget how stupid these stories are. Welcome back, Dana. If you're a QAnoner, you need something new to keep you interested as the months and years go by. No place is beyond suspicion, including butterfly sanctuaries, including the National Butterfly Center, a private nature preserve down in Texas's Rio Grande Valley. Marianne Wright is the executive director of this place that you go to see butterflies, <laughs> the sanctuary for hundreds of butterfly species. It's also a frequent target of conspiracy theorists. And so in 2019, they uh, filed a restraining order against Trump's construction project to put up a wall that would have cut the sanctuary in half. On January 21st, that executive director received a message from her son saying that two women were on their property and were demanding that her son open a gate so they could go see, quote, illegals crossing on rafts. The woman, right later claimed that an affidavit said that they were a congressional candidate and a secret service agent. 
They were in fact a congressional candidate, Kimberly Lowe, who you can see a photo of right here. And Marianne Wright said immediately, we knew what this was about. It was an echo and reiteration of the lies Steve Bannon's rebuild the wall campaign published and promoted against us for years. So before they thought that this butterfly sanctuary was like, like the underground railroad for undocumented immigrants. Now they think it's a center for child sex trafficking. I've been to that butterfly sanctuary and you know what I saw there? Butterflies, <laughs> I didn't see any kids being sold. I saw a desert tortoise, I saw some cool birds and stuff, mostly butterflies and that was pretty much it. That's a pretty solid synopsis, but the New York Times back in February of 2022 laid out a more thorough, just as ridiculous outline of this scenario and how it happened. Briefly, you remember Trump's stupid border wall? I do indeed. And you remember how Mexico was going to pay for it? And then that didn't happen because obviously, but it was still very important to Trump that he build as much. Great border wall. Going to be a very tall wall, very strong wall, very powerful wall. It's going to be such a beautiful wall. It's going to be so big. It's going to be so powerful. It's going to be as beautiful as a wall can be. I've got to make it beautiful because maybe someday they'll name the wall the Trump wall. Who the hell knows? As possible. And he did indeed get some movement there. According to the BBC, by October 2020, nearly at the end of his term, Trump's efforts had yielded 350 miles of additional barriers built where existing structures were already in place, plus 15 miles of completely new, big, beautiful wall. And without getting into the fact that this sort of wall is considered largely ineffectual by experts on immigration, since it does nothing to impact those who fly, drive, or otherwise enter the U.S. legally and just overstay their visas, and has no significant impact on the drug shipments that mostly cross through regulated border checkpoints along with billions of dollars worth of other goods. Oops, too late. You got into it. Yeah, but we're moving on because we're less interested in the wall itself than in the fanaticism and grift that surrounded the wall project. Which, of course, means that now we have to mention Trump former advisor and walking nightmare fuel Steve Bannon, who, in addition to fomenting support for homegrown fascism, spent the Trump years raising funds to build more... Uh, how did you put it, Dana? God damn it. Big, beautiful wall. Yeah, he put together a non-profit cleverly titled We Build the Wall and built scared nanas and peepaws across this great land of ours of more than $25 million based on assurances that their grandkids wouldn't have to have quinceañeras or some shit. And then he and his buddies pocketed so much of those funds that they were brought up on fraud charges. President Trump's former chief strategist, Steve Bannon, had a court hearing today on the money laundering and fraud charges against him. Bannon is alleged to have siphoned a million dollars from a crowdfunding effort to build a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. According to prosecutors, he used that money to cover personal expenses. Bannon has repeatedly called his arrest. Trump uses this term all the time, so why, why doesn't Bannon? Nothing more than a political witch hunt. You may remember Man of the People Bannon being arrested on those charges in 2020 while lounging on a 150-foot yacht owned by a Chinese billionaire. Yeah, smash those globalist elites, Steve. Of course, Bannon would suffer no consequences as he would be pardoned by the lame duck president right before Trump threw his Hail Mary coup attempt in the final seconds of the clock. And since then, Bannon has naturally gone right back to his job of spreading bullshit to hopefully confuse enough people that Trump might squeak through another win and really fuck things up. This is all so bleak when you lay it out like that. Indeed. 
But we said all of that just to explain this whole butterfly sanctuary thing. See, the refuge in question sits along the Texas-Mexico border, smack in the middle of some of the land where Trump first wanted to build, and adjacent to private land where Bannon's We Build the Wall farce wanted to erect some of its... Oh, Dana, sorry. How did you say it? I just can't quite recall. This is the last one. The last one. Big, beautiful wall. I'm not going to make her do it again. Savor it, Straniacs. So over the years since Trump first proposed his wall path through the Butterfly Sanctuary, the place has been subject to more or less constant online and in-person harassment from wall enthusiasts and Q-loons, including one Brian Colfage, one of Bannon's buddies, a veteran and promoter of mass childhood sex trafficking narratives, whom the New York Times story on this kerfuffle quoted thus. During the wall funding campaign, Mr. Colfage repeatedly attacked the Butterfly Center on social media. Instead of enabling women and children to be sex trafficked like the Butterfly Sanctuary representatives, we are taking action. This is a war for control of the most powerful country. Read one post from his Twitter account in 2019. This stupidity culminated with a visit by a Q-friendly congressional candidate who got into a physical altercation with the sanctuary's director after she and a fellow Q-nut were denied entry when they demanded to tour through the stretch of the Rio Grande that abuts the refuge's property. This led to temporary closure of the sanctuary, during which other absolutely self-assured, spittle-flecked buffoons, like this guy, railed against the unprecedented damage, the failure to build a big, beautiful wall. Wait, you weren't going to make me say it again. I didn't. I copy-pasted one of the earlier times I made you say it. Read the fine print on your contract, unicorn. What contract? Six years ago, you mailed me a bar napkin where you had scrawled two checkboxes and the choices... Do lines for my show forever, or acknowledge you kick puppies, and then suddenly I was saying nonsense into a microphone. Details, details. So this guy is so mad at the butterfly people, and of course, sleepy Joe Biden, that in his February 2022 video, he actually tries to add a note of irony to his boiling, if poorly thought through, rage. Not that he's quite up to the task. And down to Benson State Park to look at the end of the wall where Joe Biden stopped building the wall. And this place, the Butterfly Center, uh, they said they were afraid. They had some credible threats that something was going to go on. So we came down here and we want to join our voices with the Butterfly Center and say we stand against the credible threats of the cartels uh, trafficking children through the Butterfly Center. And we demand, we call on Joe Biden to close this border down to protect the butterflies, because we all care about butterflies. I mean, you know, the children that are being sold, these shoes were from one of the children that was trafficked across. This wristband was from one of the children that was trafficked across, smaller than my four-year-old daughter's arm. But what really matters to the Democrats are the butterflies. And so we unite with them. If that's what, it, if that's what it's going to take to shut this border down, we unite with them and say, protect the butterflies, Joe. Close down the border. Because we know you don't care about the kids. <laughs> 